This is Rocks to Roots, a podcast presented by the Spokane Conservation District. This podcast series is intended to share education and resources related to land management, conservation practices, and celebrate some of the great stewards of our land here in our region. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Rocks to Roots, Conservation Conversations from the Backyard to the Back 40. I'm your host, Hillary, and with me is my co-host, Dwayne. How's it going, Dwayne? It's going great. How are you doing, Hillary? I'm doing good. Hey, thanks for putting together that awesome seed-saving class for us at our open house uh, the past weekend. Almost definitely. That was super fun. Everybody came out and was super interactive with it. Love when the community digs on classes like that. Yes, it was great. You guys had a great group, and we loved having all the kiddos on our property as well, climbing on the rocks and (laughs) doing all the science projects. So that was a super fun event. Thank you to all of the community members who came out, and I got to celebrate the Conservation District's 80th birthday party with us. And with that said, I just want to give a reminder about our Farm and Food Symposium that is going to be coming up November 5th and 6th, taking place at the Centennial Hotel in downtown Spokane. This year, we have the privilege of hosting soil health pioneer Ray Archuleta. So he's going to be leading us through two days of intermediate courses on regenerative ag practices, everything from soil health to carbon sequestration to just growing good food. So make sure that you check out our website, spokanecd.org. Tickets are available now, and early bird pricing is available until October 1st. So make sure and save some bucks by signing up with that early bird discount. And again, you can find that all at spokanecd.org. All right, well, today we have another super fun episode for you listeners out there. Today, we are interviewing John Edmondson, the director for Growing Neighbors. Thanks for being here, John. Thanks, Hillary. (laughs) Well, John, so just to get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and um, yeah. Sweet. Yeah, thanks. Great to be here. I've been in Spokane now uh, for quite a bit. I came here to go to Whitworth, met a girl and stuck around. Gotta, how it happens. Yeah, man. My brother was like, it's cool. If, it's okay if you go to school out of state as long as you don't meet a girl and, and move there. <laughs> and that's what I did. Uh, but that's great. We have two daughters. Uh, life is going well. They're both in school and happy. And I get to be here with you guys. So that's wonderful. Uh, just enjoying growing food and sharing it with our neighbors. And uh, I work with Shadow Park Presbyterian Church, okay. uh, as well as Northwest Harvest uh, and the Growing Neighbors Initiative. They're kind of my three gigs. Awesome. Yeah. I know you are super, super active in the community with, you got your hands in a lot of different things. So we are just so glad that you took the time to come and chat with us today. So tell us about Growing Neighbors and um, how this collaborative came to be. Yeah, thanks. So it kind of was born out of several different interests that just just grew and grew uh, over several years. Uh, When we got our house in Spokane, uh, the first edible thing we ever planted was strawberries, and we just loved it. So we each year kind of started planting a little bit more, 
uh, and growing a deeper love for just growing and sharing food. Uh, we also just love feeding people. So having meals, uh, you know, delivering food to people, whatever we can do to kind of be hospitable and generous. Uh, and also sort of uh, caring for the environment. Uh, there's like all these different interests that sort of collaborated into one thing, working with lots of different groups to sort of like unify and do something better together. Uh, and also to kind of live out our faith. Uh, all these things like over time uh, just kind of led to this one practical way of caring for our community. Awesome. So was the first farmyard, and we're going to kind of talk about those a little bit more. So was the first farmyard yours in your on your property? or That's a good question. <laughs> yeah, probably technically you could say that, but uh, like our hub farmyard is on the campus of Shadow Park Presbyterian Church. Okay. Uh, they have been and continue to be just a really solid uh, supporter and uh, officially they, they hold the Growing Neighbors organization. That's kind of like where our resource hub is. That's one, where one of our biggest gardens is. Uh, and then we have like about 40 others that we work with in some way on a regular basis. Okay. Oh, wow. 40. 40 yeah, different man. farmyards across uh, Spokane. Huh? Yeah, 41 including yours next week. Yeah. All right. That sounds great. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> That's an approximate number. You know, like we resource a lot of people, but... And so since we're talking about them, um, where, so where are they mainly located or is there, are they really spread out? Are they in the Valley? Are they more North side? Yeah. So like Northwest Spokane, uh, is probably like about half. So like Shadle, Audubon, that kind of area, like within sort of like a mile or two of the hub. Okay. And then the other half are kind of spread all over the place. So like the North YMCA, Valley YMCA, they've been a great partner. We'll also some, have some folks on the South Hill and some connections in Cheney. So it's kind of spreading from there. Okay, great. And so I know that Growing Neighbors, you guys have a lot of different elements that um, contribute to your great program. And But what would you say is the main mission of Growing Neighbors? Yeah, we try to summarize it basically as helping neighbors grow and share healthy food and relationships. That's kind of like the most succinct way we can talk about it. We also love to talk about like helping neighbors function more like family and treat the planet more like home. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the ways that we sort of try to boil it down and grow from there. Okay. Awesome. I like that. And uh, just building off of that, would you say during this time when uh, of lockdowns and things, uh, have people been more apt to come together and uh, do this whole family neighborhood farming? That's a good question. Yeah. I think some have been kind of encouraged to do this work during this time and others have sort of taken a step back, right? Just to be socially distant, but others are like, we got to eat, right? Right. That's an, an essential activity. So it's been sort of a, you know, uh, ebbs and flows there with different groups. So it's been harder to like officially gather people and like tell them like, yes, please come. But others have just come and like sought help and sought ways to connect and to feed their neighbors. And so it's been fun to just step up and work with them. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Love that. What about um, different organizations? Uh, I know you work with a lot of organizations out there. Uh, can you name a few? And also, how, how again, have they been more apt to come out and um, help during this time when food's a little insecure? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so we're working with all sorts of different partners. That's, for me, like a big part of the mission and the heartbeat of this organization. Uh, we don't want to kind of reinvent the wheel or say we're doing it the best, but we feel like we're better together, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all sorts of uh, schools, uh, nonprofits, businesses, churches, neighborhood councils, uh, 
libraries, all sorts of groups that we're partnering with. Uh, over 100 different partners uh, have been involved in what we're doing in some way uh, over these past four or five years. Uh, one we talked about earlier is River City Youth Ops. Uh, they've been a great partner from the beginning, just looking at different ways of how we can sort of uh, train youth and include them in the gardening efforts, uh, as well as care for West Central and other like specific kind of like neighborhoods in need and different communities that are in need uh, to grow and share food together in creative ways. One thing we're doing uh, now that we're working on together is community composting. Oh, cool. So we want to equip neighbors that for some reason maybe would struggle to have their own compost system at home or even at their business and show them ways that we can help them gather their compostables and bring them to more of a central like neighborhood hub uh, for that compost, which then can be cycled back into the gardens and feed people and just kind of connect the loop. Very cool. And so you have just a plethora of resources and educational pieces. And I want to make sure that we give you the opportunity to talk about just kind of like the seven different areas of growing neighbors and um, just kind of those different parts. So what are those different areas? That's a good question. So correct me if my math is wrong, but that's like an approximate number. Okay. <laughs> no worries. No, but yeah, like hyper-localized community gardens is kind of our <clears throat> foundation. We want to grow that food. Uh, and people who live, work, play, or pray, like, you know, as close as possible to where that food is grown, that's where we want the food to go. Uh, also working with farmer's markets. So we're at Emerson Garfield, West Central, Garland, offering the food on a take-what-you-need, pay-what-you-can basis. So we want to give the food out as freely as possible, but also keep in mind how can we sustain this movement with people that have the means to really help us do that. Uh, also sustainable food delivery, which uh, as often as possible, we're doing it via bicycle. Uh, some folks aren't kind of willing or able to do that, and so we're using a lot of other vehicles as well. But delivering food that's grown as locally as possible or sourced as locally as possible from local pantries and delivered to folks who can't come to the pantry for some reason, right? They're uh, elderly or sick or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, we also are working with little free pantries. So have you guys seen like the kind of little box on a stick out in the neighborhood? Kind of like the little free libraries. Yeah, that's awesome. But for food. And so really this has been a great partnership with Northwest Harvest and Caritas and others to make food accessible 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. Like even if the pantry's closed or it's dark and the garden seems closed, like you can go to the Little Free Pantry and get food anytime. Community composting, which I mentioned earlier, uh, communal meals, so just gathering folks together to eat together, uh, and any sort of other like neighborly gathering, like neighborhood block parties or community events. I'm sad I missed your guys' birthday party. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, you can tell me all about it. But. Yeah, we'll have... Plenty of events coming up in this new <laughs> building, trust me. <laughs> so sort of spinning off of those are different like educational opportunities and resource sharing. Cool. So you just touched on a few places that this food that is grown in these farmyards um, goes to. We talked about the little pantries and um, just some other places, but um, tell us a little bit more of where that food that is locally grown, where it ends up. Perfect. Yeah, so really the goal is it's kept as locally as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's feeding your family, like save the gardens in your yard. It's feeding your local neighbors that live near you. Uh, you might be sharing it out at community events nearby uh, or at the farmer's market nearby. <clears throat> uh, ultimately, you know, trying to keep it as local as possible and make sure it's used well. Mm -hmm. 
So if you have more than you need and more than your neighbors need, it can also be cycled into these food deliveries that we're doing and into the little free pantries. So we're kind of trying to create as many touch points as possible to make the food used well and used locally uh, and grown organically and just trying to like minimize waste and impact on the environment while making sure our needs are met for our local neighbors. Nice. So we've mentioned it a couple of times now. Uh, could you tell us a little bit more about what a farmyard is? Yeah, thanks. Really anywhere that we can grow food. And so we, uh, we imagine even using rooftops, which we've kind of dabbled oh. with in partnership with uh, folks that are doing some of that. <clears throat> uh, but like mostly it's in people's front and or backyards, uh, at churches, at schools. We're starting one at the Shadow Park, like the Shadow City Library. Anywhere that there's space to grow food, we want to do it. Uh, so we love like local farms that are kind of, you know, a little bit out of the city too, but like all the land that's in the city, we, see, we feel like that's an asset just waiting to be used. Like let's grow less grass and more edibles and as much as possible, kind of like you guys maybe would hope, mm -hmm. uh, native drought tolerant edibles as well. Awesome. So if I um, have like a piece of my property or my yard that I'm not doing anything with and I want to get involved, um, how, are there any requirements for like the amount of space or do I need to have soil testing done or what kind of is that process? Yeah, uh, we, didn't, we enjoy kind of the organic uh, process with each farmyard. It feels like it's different every time. But yeah, those are some questions we'd ask, right? Like, okay. do you know... Uh, if the soil is safe, and we have uh, partners that can help test the soil, uh, including for heavy metals. Uh, we just, like one of our kind of core requirements is just that you will share some with a neighbor. Okay. So we're trying to keep the the, bar the barriers low, right? The boundaries low, uh, but sort of in invite people in, in a way that they can really uh, feel like it's for them. Like they're welcome. Anyone can join no matter what their age or what their background or what their space is like at the time, we'll work with them to, to bring it into a space where they can really have an abundant harvest uh, to share with their neighbors. So yeah, we definitely want to keep it safe. Uh, and we want to make sure we kind of equip the people with the training they need to, to feel like they're successful, right? We don't want them to not really know what they're doing and plant all <laughs> these plants and have them die and then give up. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll partner with them. We'll walk with them, but we'll also early on say, how can we help you build a team? So not that you're like relying on our, our core team to like keep coming back and resourcing you, but you know, are we going to walk your neighborhood together, uh, bang on doors and just kind of talk to them about what we're doing? Are we going to like visit your local association, uh, which might be your school, church, club, whatever, and invite them in? So kind of looking for those uh, like low hanging fruit, like local connections to build that team to make that farmyard sustainable. Do you find there's a standard as far as like the number of people on a team that really make um, a farmyard successful? I think the standard is probably higher than we've experienced. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. So it's definitely like uh, a lot of people are sort of hesitant to ask people for help. Yeah. You know, definitely. so that's been a challenge <laughs> at times. Uh, but then there's some families that are just like, we're ready to go. Right. Like we don't need a team. Like, okay, great. Like we'll help you start and go for it. And they'll sort of like invite neighbors and friends in as they go along. Um, but, you know, we'd love to see at least five to seven people involved, like, to feel good about maintaining a healthy garden that's, like, on an average plot in the city. Uh, but some gardens are bigger than others, too, right? So it's hard to have kind of a, a boundary line set. Uh, so the more the merrier. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, is there, like, a 
certain vegetable or um, like a certain produce that you always kind of get them started with or that there's a, a need for it um, that you try and make sure gets in every yard or start them out with? Yeah, good question. Uh, that's kind of across the board too, right? It's all mm -hmm. over the board, I guess. Uh, there's kind of the standards like tomatoes and zucchini, uh, cucumbers. You know, there's some stuff that like most people seem to enjoy or know that they have a neighbor who will enjoy. But that's kind of part of our like intake interview where it's like, what do you guys like to eat? Let's grow that. Do you know what your neighbors like to eat? If not, let's go ask and let's grow some of that. Uh, we're starting to ask more questions uh, to seek more equity. Like, do we know what's more culturally appropriate mm -hmm. for maybe some of the immigrants and refugees in the neighborhood? Uh, so trying to move in that direction, also thinking through like, what grew here before we were here, right? Like what's native to this place? How can we cultivate more of that uh, to kind of like care for the land better too? So those are some of the questions that we go through. Okay. Man, it seems like y'all thought like every avenue through right there. That's, that's pretty impressive. Well, it's really just like, that's not how it was necessarily from the beginning, right? Like we just get better every time a new partner comes on and we have a conversation and we think through like, what's really best for everyone? You know, how can this thing evolve into something more healthy? Gotcha. And for someone who's trying to get involved, uh, has a yard or just wants to donate some of their time, um, what kind of tools do y'all offer to help them uh, be successful in the mission? Yeah, thanks. So we're, we're starting to kind of uh, set up what we, our dream, right, is that every neighborhood has like a hub farmyard with a shared resource hub as part of that, right? Uh, but kind of the one at Shadle Church is like the most well-established. So we have a wall full of shovels and rakes and hoes and I love the hula ho. We have plenty oh, yeah. of those. <laughs> Uh, lots of hand tools. Uh, so we're always building up, kind of inviting donations and sharing those out. Uh, we started kind of a tool sharing system with the city library as well. So starting to kind of have them bring on some tools that they keep in their, their library of things. So always kind of looking for more partners that can host tools. But we also want to offer like soil amendments. So we try to keep a pile of wood chips, which I know you guys have done in the past too, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, of compost and of soil. <clears throat> hoping that, that eventually we won't need the compost pile because we're like making so much soil. of our own yeah. compost, right? <laughs> that we don't have to order it anymore. But Bartek has been a great partner uh, with access to compost. Uh, we also provide seeds and plant starts. We get a lot of plant starts from other uh, local partners like Judy's Enchanted Garden, and River Ridge Hardware. Uh, there's been a lot of partners that we've like gotten things at a discount, but also when they sort of like have too much or it's toward the end of the season, we'll We'll receive plants from them, kind of host them in our greenhouse for as long as we need to and start sharing those out. So we, we try to uh, sort of be like a gleaning sort of go-between uh, organization whenever we have to too, right? Like to keep those little plant babies alive however we can and get them out to students after school or wherever we can to distribute them, get people what they need. That's awesome. And so... I was actually pretty surprised because I recently saw a map of food deserts here in Spokane County, and we actually have quite a few. And so you talk about um, 
really growing neighbors, having a great presence, really kind of northwest of the Spokane County area. I'm curious, are there any areas that you haven't been able to get into yet that you feel there's a big need and you're really trying to push that outreach towards that area right now? Yeah, thanks. I think I have a lot of room to grow, too, for understanding that Mm -hmm. better. Uh, But honestly, we don't have a whole lot of influence, like, east of division. Okay. In general. Mm-hmm. We have lots of great partners in these spaces and we're, we started putting in pantries and, you know, uh, connecting with volunteers and growing gardens. Uh, but that's just like, we have a lot less influence in that area. So working with like the Northeast Community Center and other partners uh, just east of town mm-hmm. uh, to, to grow that, to grow those partnerships. The Chief Gary Community Garden <clears throat> has become a great partner to you and so we just see there's a lot of potential there. Mm-hmm. So West Central is one area of great need uh, where we have more connection. Um, but we're, we're continuing to look for ways to connect just kind of east as well as, you know, valley south and beyond uh, and all the places in the county that are uh, maybe more rural that we don't have as easy access to but have high need. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. So we're also, like, super excited to get more involved with Native peoples. <clears throat> So growing some connections with the Spokane tribe, with the Nez Perce tribe, and learning a lot from them too, right? About like uh, this bit about trying to, to treat uh, all of neighbor, help neighbors treat each other more like family. Uh, like we're learning a lot from Native peoples about treating all of creation like relatives. Definitely um, cool. So yeah, excited to keep like learning from them, but also like caring for some of these communities that are have been historically marginalized. Mm-hmm. Well, and too, you talked about um, making or developing some of these farmyards so that they have some more culturally appropriate foods and things like that. So, yeah, another great connect um, with wanting to do that. So um, I want to ask about volunteers because maybe if if you don't have space in your yard but you definitely want to volunteer and get involved with Growing Neighbors, um, how often do the volunteers um, work are they, is there a requirement? Um, what kind of is that outline yeah, like? Yeah, thank you. I feel like kind of, like I said before, the more the merrier, but uh, there's lots of different ways to be involved. It could be, you know, from a daily basis to once a year. Uh, we'll have guest groups that come. Um, like we just had a group from Whitworth. We had about 50 students come for like four hours on a Wednesday morning, and that was awesome. I think we, we did a ton of weeding and a ton of like organizing um, and then there's other volunteers who will come on a weekly basis and like come to the farmer's market or <clears throat> help with our Tuesday free community dinners. So there's different ways you can be involved, uh, kind of at your own pace. Of course, if you're hosting your own farmyard, that's kind of like, that could even be like a daily thing for you, right? Mm-hmm. Even just watering. <laughs> um, but there's, you can be involved no matter how much time you have to give. That. Awesome. And speaking of volunteering and, and being involved, can you tell us a little more about um, your Adopt a Row program? Yeah, so we don't always use those terms, but we're always uh, looking for ways to invite more people in uh, in creative ways, right? So if they can adopt uh, a piece of a garden uh, or even like designate part of their yard or their garden to donate, uh, they will invite that, right? <clears throat> so we'll call it whatever you need us to call it <laughs> to kind of get you motivated to join in the mission of, you know, loving your neighbors in this way. Um, 
so yeah, kind of like at our hub farmyard, you know, there's like about 20 rows kind of in our main uh, beds there on Alberta Street. And that's part of the dream is that we can help people uh, just more tangibly, tangibly feel like they're involved. Like, this is my row, right? Like, I'm going to care for this one and make sure, like, the weeds don't take over and the food is shared well. Uh, but the same could be done, you know, at your home yard or anywhere else. Um, so we're always looking for ways just to help people feel like, uh, like, I'm really part of this in a significant way. Give them, that, give them that sense of purpose. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You're more apt to go the extra mile when it's uh, when it's your row or your crop. or Yeah. Like, yeah. And some people uh, have considered adopting a row just financially, right, just to, to help meet the needs of keeping the movement sustainable long-term, making sure of access to the resources and can pay my salary so I can kind of keep things going <laughs> and uh, host interns like college students. So there's that's like another way you can adopt. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Well, and I feel like this is a good plug for any of our listeners who are already interested in Growing Neighbors. So if they are interested in getting involved, whether it be volunteering or adopting a row, or maybe they have some space on their yard, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, thanks. So we are online in a few different ways. Growingneighbors.org is our website. We're also on Facebook and Instagram to search for Growing Neighbors or at Growing Neighbors. Uh, you can find my information through our website, all of the like contact us uh, form submissions go to me. So uh, that's great. Uh, you can also call my office, 509-327-5522. Uh, and when we get to know each other, I'll give you my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So we've talked about a lot of great things, but I kind of want you to just kind of summarize. So why is urban farming so important? Yeah, that's uh, the benefits I feel like continue to grow the longer I'm in it. So, of course, uh, if we're doing urban farming organically, so, so without the use of chemicals, like we're caring for the land uh, and inviting others to do the same and kind of showing them the value of like all creatures and all parts of our environment. And this is our common home, right? Like whatever we can do to help preserve this space, not only for us, but for our children, their children, trying to think of like the next seven generations. How can we care for the land in the best way possible to really keep it? keep it awesome for mm -hmm. as long as possible. So we think urban farming can play a, a, a huge role in that, uh, minimizing like the shipping uh, of food into this place right. from outside of Spokane, mm -hmm. all the marketing, all the waste, all the chemical use that's involved in that current like food system process. Uh, we also think urban farming is like one of the best things we can do to connect relationally uh, with each other. So yes, of course, connecting with uh, like our human neighbors, but also our other than human neighbors. Uh, we think if we can really care for the land uh, and do the farming in a way that's sustainable and regenerative, thinking about polyculture and biodiversity and permaculture, like using these practices, uh, it's not just going to benefit our human neighbors, but all of our neighbors. Um, so those are some of the core, I kind of forget the question, but... <laughs> Just why urban farming is so important. Yeah. I mean, there's a long list, I'm sure. But <laughs> Well, like, you know, uh, having access to local food, mm -hmm. like it's more nutritious, right? Like if it's been on the shelf for like three days, it could be like 30% less nutritious. It's like, why wouldn't we grow food if we have space to do it? If we know people need it. Uh, and I think a lot about <clears throat> once you've built kind of these relational connections with people, uh, how that can affect every other area of your life. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we've even talked to folks about like domestic violence being reduced by activities like this, mm -hmm. where it doesn't feel connected, but if you start to know people and trust them, and they know and trust you, and they're checking on you because they care about you, all sorts of stuff gets better. So yeah, I'm, I'm really loving this sense of community that you've built around this entire program. Um, and so you're doing some amazing work for our community and for, you know, people and getting access to local food. I'm wondering if there is a specific moment or um, just a time that you remember taking a step back and being like, oh my gosh, this is so awesome. Like a, just a special moment maybe that you've encountered. Yeah, thank you. It's so fun. Uh, I need to like ask myself that question every day, right? <laughs> so I have this little journal where I try to put entries in where stuff that's like better than I could have imagined happened, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think a lot about moments where specific relationships with people or with specific partners kind of like took a next step that mm -hmm. I didn't see coming. So one that just flashed in my mind is with Northwest Harvest. Uh, this is like a statewide agency, right? Uh, working for food justice with a Spokane warehouse and a Spokane presence, but we'd been volunteering with them for about a decade, uh, having like our middle and high school students from their church go and serve in their warehouse. So we got to know them really well and they kind of, they learned about Green Neighbors as it was first like in, in its infancy and they were one of the first partners to really like kind of tell our story, like even statewide in their newsletters and such. And through these partnerships, uh, they came to me one day and they're like, hey, we're starting this new position in Spokane called the Spokane Community Partner. Uh, would you be interested? Uh, and I was just kind of blown away. Like, I just didn't see that opportunity coming. Mm -hmm. While at the same time, I was asking, how are we going to sustain this movement, right? Like, most of the things that we're doing are going to lose people money. Like, like <laughs> we're equipping them to give stuff away, not to, like, gain a bunch of profit. Uh, and so this partner was like, hey, can we pay you to basically do what you're doing? Like, Yes, please. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. So it's still like super part-time employment, right? But just a beautiful kind of next step uh, in this partnership that just grew in trust over time. And uh, we couldn't have imagined that that partnership would grow to where it is now. Mm -hmm. That's great. Speaking of wonderful partners out there that have the large heart and the, uh, the thought of the community at large in mind, if, um, if you had a wish list of tools or items that y'all could use what would kind of be some of the top ones that are in need yeah thanks um well i mentioned earlier the this is kind of a new program our sustainable food delivery mm -hmm. which is uh the dream is that it's mostly bicycle driven giving people exercise caring for the environment while getting people the food that they need so we'd like to as we're developing different neighborhood hubs we're in uh, four or five different neighborhoods now working with like a local pantry, we'd like to store like a bike or two and a bike trailer or two in each of those hubs. So different volunteers, whether or not they have a bike or a bike trailer, you know, the equipment to kind of do the work, they can come to the hub, kind of borrow their equipment and bring it right back. So we're dreaming about starting kind of a fleet of e-bikes as well. We're learning like Spokane's mm -hmm. can be a pretty hilly place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, which is challenging for a lot of our volunteers. <clears throat> So some who used to bike are now driving because they're like, man, that hill is crazy. <laughs> uh, so we're trying to invest in some more of these e-bikes. We have some great partners in Spokane that are selling bikes, but uh, just not necessarily the, the funding, right, to do that. So if people have a bike or they just already love to bike, 
uh, kind of join in that movement however you see fit, right? You could donate the equipment or just let us borrow yours or just come and volunteer with the stuff you already have. But that'd be one really fun way to kind of expand our resources to care for this new program that's just starting to grow. And we're just starting, this is super exciting, delivering in the Valley. Uh, we haven't been able to before. So as soon as next week, we'll start that. So if y'all live in the Valley, uh, come let us know we're starting that. We're also serving in North Spokane out of Serve Spokane. Uh, Northwest out of Caritas, West Central out of our place, uh, and then Emerson Garfield out of Family of Faith. So these are the neighborhoods we're already in, but we'd love to expand to every neighborhood. So bring it. Awesome. Excellent. And so, um, and anybody who is looking for local produce, anything, can just go to your website and sign up for delivery, or how does that work? Yeah, if they if they need delivery, yeah, they can just reach out and let us know. Uh, we have a great partner, Holly, who has a list of people who have needed food deliveries in the past. Mm -hmm. And we've worked together through the Food Security Coalition. Uh, so when we uh, hear of a new neighborhood that's starting, we'll call people on that list. <clears throat> so we already kind of know some people that need it. We just need the volunteers to step up, and then we'll call people in their neighborhood and get them connected. But also others who need food can call in too, and if we're already in their neighborhood, we'll definitely add them to the list. Um, so there's different ways you can sort of make your first connection there. But Okay. Yeah. And you also talked about doing these community dinners as well. And so um, tell us a little bit more about that. And are there volunteer opportunities for that as well? Yeah. So we're feeding a free meal every Tuesday. Uh, it's at Shada Park Presbyterian Church at 530. Right now we're doing it outside, just trying to keep it all COVID safe and happy. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be sort of weather dependent and pandemic dependent uh, beyond October, probably. But we're certainly planning to serve through October. And October 26th will be our Door Neighbors Hoedown, which will be surrounding that meal too. Oh, awesome. So that'll be a lot of fun. There'll be games and dancing. And I'm sure Dwayne will be there shaking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Don't yeah. tempt him with a good time. <laughs> <laughs> certainly on that night, we'll need extra bodies, right? Uh, but every week, we love... Uh, we kind of sign up a different team to cook the food, to clean up, to set up, like hauling chairs and tables, you know, in and out of the building is definitely a job. Uh, and those same nights, too, we met people to harvest in the gardens and some of that food we serve in the meals <clears throat> or to set aside for people to take with them as they leave. So there's lot, lots of different ways you can dive in on those meals. Awesome. Is there anything we haven't touched with Growing Neighbors yet? You guys are just such a vast organization with tons of resources. Oh, oh, I believe you do some um, teaching on how to cook with local food too as well, right? Yeah, we have some fun partners like Pantry Fuel is one who, Oh, cool! Uh, they came in and did a, a training on using some of our local strawberries and adding them with some of our local rhubarb and doing some fun crisps and stuff. So we're always inviting different partnerships like that. I'm not really a cook myself. <laughs> I desire to know how, uh, but yeah, we want to teach people not just how to like cook this or eat this stuff raw, right? But like, what do we do with a kohlrabi or whatever mm -hmm. that might be an awesome fruit or vegetable that you haven't experienced before? Uh, so bringing in these different partners, um, we're working with groups also like Feast World Kitchen. Oh yeah, uh, where we're okay. growing some food that their chefs, like their refugee and immigrant chefs, can use. Uh, so we're trying to kind of always look for more ways to like. Uh, if we're equipping these chefs with the food, can we also like send along an apprentice to kind of watch and learn as they go and 
uh, yeah, always looking for new ways to do that. So open to your ideas too. We've had folks come in and do like canning demonstrations too. And um, those would be like some of our core team have done that. Um, but yeah, I want to like dry food too, but I don't want to just like buy a bunch of uh, dehydrators. I just want to figure out like how they do it before a dehydrator was a thing, right? <laughs> right. Like, so uh, I also want to dig up root cellars and uh, just kind of think back to like, how can we do this with less resources, but be more resilient as a community? Very cool. That's wonderful. And I'm also curious, do you guys do any like fruit tree plantings on these farmyards as well? Yeah, as early as possible, we try to get in fruit. Okay. Just because it takes longer really to get established and to get a decent crop oftentimes. <clears throat> so like at our hub farmyard, uh, we have about 18 different fruit trees, uh, quite a few apple, cherry, and pear. And any new farmyard that we start, we can, that's part of the initial conversation, right? Like, do you want fruit? If yes, let's start there, right? Because that's going to take time. So even like putting in like an edible hedge of berries, um, that's kind of a dream of mine for a lot of gardens. Like as your neighbors walk by, they can just pick and eat and enjoy without, without kind of that uh, having to have courage to step foot into your garden. <laughs> like it's right there on the border asking for it, you know? Right. So, and hoping to put in more and more like native berries too. Very cool. And do you all have, um, when the season kicks off, you know, you got that first initial need to get everything in the ground. Do you have things like planting parties or anything where people can all come together and, and get stuff done? Yeah. More than just the, the group of the farmyard? Yeah, that's the hope is that we'll have that, like every farmyard will have that, right? Um, and that's that's one piece I could use help with if someone out there just <laughs> loves like planning parties, uh, hosting events, or even just like putting them out on social media. Um, I feel like I often is sort of like, putting my head down trying to get the essentials done and sometimes lose sight of like, oh, dang, I should have promoted that two weeks ago. <laughs> uh, but yeah, each farmyard, we'd love for them to have, you know, planting parties as well as cleanup parties and harvesting parties and all the parties. All right. Uh, and to come and eat the food at the garden too. We've we've scaled back on the parties during COVID. Uh, and of course, you know why, but uh, growing food is essential. Like we haven't told people they can't. We just haven't like focused on that as much. We've been more equipping people to sort of like take the resources and run with it. But I feel like we're moving more into a season where we can hype up the parties better. Awesome. And I want to give you another opportunity to hype up your hoedown oh, <laughs> right now. <thank> you. <laughs> yeah. Since it's coming up. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. So October 26th, um, hoping the weather holds, but <clears throat> it's not like a Halloween party or we're, you know, we're going to have some sort of like fun harvesty party stuff. Uh, and kind of a celebration just of the end of the growing season and uh, all the good things that have happened. We invited all of our uh, friends from the farmer's market to join us. Uh, so anyone's invited. All ages are welcome. It'll be family friendly. We'll start out with some silly games. Uh, we'll do some little tours of the garden if you if there's anything still growing at that point. Uh, <laughs> but we'll show you where it did happen if it's not happening. Uh, of course, we'll serve dinner. Uh, we're going to invite our friend out to lead to be like a dance caller have you guys experienced this we're like no they're like telling you what to do like for line dancing or whatever oh, oh nice like cool. i actually have an opportunity to learn how to dance then. yeah oh, so okay. big ed if you're <laughs> listening there. uh we're gonna try to give you a call uh and then when the sun goes down we're gonna do some glow in the dark silliness so love for you to come sounds like a fun it's time to be fun cool. uh, of course we'll kind of tell our story a little bit too and we'll invite folks to donate it's kind of like a soft fundraiser like 
we don't charge for our Tuesday dinners, so we don't want to charge for this, but always open to people helping to sustain the movement. Okay. And do people need to register RSVP at all for the event? They don't have to, but it wouldn't hurt. Okay. Yeah. Just to make sure we have enough food for everybody. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for that. <laughs> and okay. So I just kind of want to summarize. So East side people of Spokane County, we need you. <laughs> if you have some land or some property, um, get in touch with growing neighbors. We could really use you to help with some local food access out there. If you want to volunteer to help when with these farmyards, get your hands dirty, learn how to grow some nice, nutritious local produce, make sure and do that. And then I'm going to have you tell us again where people can get a hold of you and find yeah. your information. <laughs> so growingneighbors.org is probably the easiest, simplest way for a lot of people. Uh, if you're not so much online, give us a call, 509-327-5522. That's the church office number, uh, but they know how to get they know how to get a hold of me for sure. Uh, Facebook, Instagram are great as well. Uh, yeah. And if you see me on the street or out in the garden, just honk or stop by. <laughs> awesome. Well, John, now we like to kind of wrap up our episodes doing a little bit of a spitfire round so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Are you down for it? Let's do it. Okay. Awesome. Dwayne, why don't you start us off? All right. So in your experience now with all 41, you said, plots that you've had across uh, Spokane here. Well, the one that's going to be yours. Yeah. Th yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm counting it already. Um, what would be the favorite vegetable that you just as would count as a staple? You have to grow no matter what. Across the board, the top is probably tomatoes. Tomatoes? Yeah. yeah. And it seems like the younger the farmer, the more they want the tomato to be small <laughs> and orange. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I think that the tomato should be like the Spokane symbol or something because there are lots of tom tomatoes grown here, which is fabulous, and they're delicious too. We should grow lilac tomatoes. Yeah. Oh, oh there, we, there go. we go. Yeah. I'm from black cherry, but is there? A, yeah. <laughs> let's figure that out. There you go. Um, okay. Let's see. Um, I'm wondering if there's a food that you have not tried but you'd like to. Uh, one is yucca. Mm. So my f new friend who's a chef with Feast said she needs better access to yucca for her dishes. And she's from Brazil. But yucca is also native to North America, so I need to figure out how to grow it and eat it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I have not tried that either myself. Have Let's you done do it? I have not tried yucca, not yet. Huh. Uh, I've tried to eradicate it out of my raspberry bushes, but um, still no success there. So I guess you could always come, come and yeah. grab something else. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, what's your favorite movie, and do you have a quotable line from it? Oh, man. I'm not good at favorites. <laughs> uh, I used to often say Rudy. Have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah. The guy who no one thought could play, and he just, he just oh, worked hard. Yeah. Hard worker. He was yeah. just kind and worked hard. Uh, I can't think of a, a line besides them chanting his name right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that movie sums itself up. That's a yeah, great inspirational inspiration, movie. Inspiration, yeah. Heck, yeah. Um, I'm curious, what was the first car you ever drove? Uh, I think it might have been my dad's El Camino. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Are you guys familiar with the El Camino? Yeah. El Camino. I drove oh. that thing up to Whitworth and it slid around in the snow. It was pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, but do you consider it a truck or a car? Yes. 
Yes. All right. Perfect answer. <laughs> I love it. What's your, um, what's your favorite local restaurant to eat at around here? My favorite? See, I'm not good at picking just one. But... <laughs> so the Little Garden Cafe and the Maple Street Bistro kind of border my most frequent uh, neighborly influences. So those are two of my go-tos for supporting local and uh, kind of my like dream meal is like a salad or a smoothie, like a with veggies in the smoothie, and a cinnamon roll. So that's kind of yes, healthy yeah. and sweet just to yeah, combat man. each other. Heck that right. is perfect balance, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> um, I'm curious, what is your coffee order when you go and get coffee as well? Since we're on this topic, kind of. <laughs> well, since you asked, uh, I like to tell people my favorite way to do coffee is to meet in the garden. <laughs> yes. So it's so like, hey, let's do coffee. I'm like, cool, can you meet me at this garden and we'll talk while we pull weeds? Uh, but I don't really drink coffee, so my order might be a chai or a smoothie or water. I drink a lot of water. Oh, that's a good thing. That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you have any fears? Are you Lots scared of, of anything? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I often just kind of like doubt my own abilities to do anything well. <clears throat> so I feel like I can do a lot of things like decently, uh, but don't, I don't ever feel like I'm an expert of anything. So sometimes I just fear that like I won't be quite good enough <laughs> to do whatever. Yeah. And yet here you are, the director of a yeah. wonderful program doing Killing wonderful it. things. There's good stuff <laughs> happening, yeah. So. Right. Thank you. I got to say, I used to, uh, used to be kind of scared of spiders because of that movie Arachnophobia. I always thought they were all just going to jump on me and, you know, desiccate my body. Yeah. And then now from farming, I'm out there all the time, and they're just crawling on me. I'm like, oh, hey, little guy. Yeah. Put it back in the soil. And like you said, keep that uh, community of, of non-humans going. Right. So. I've been loving my spiders, too, like more and more. And just like I keep seeing new varieties. I'm like, I didn't know you existed. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being part of my garden here. Heck, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And so, um, so since you're not a big movie guy, uh, let's go books. What's the last book you read? Uh, does it count to say the Bible? It yes. actually does. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, right. Yeah, I love reading the Bible. Uh, we do Bible and breakfast with my kids each morning. So that's my favorite. We're currently in the book of Romans. And oh, awesome. That's yeah. great family time right there. Yeah, thank you. Heck yeah. All right. And when we always ask our guests, Beatles or the Rolling Stones? Definitely the Beatles. Woo! Yeah. Man, the Beatles have been on a streak lately. They have been. <laughs> I'm sure I know some Rolling Stones songs just because they're part of my like random brain jukebox, but I couldn't name one right now. Can you help me out? What do they sing? I'm a Beatles girl, so. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Beatles are awesome. And they're in the garden. Exactly. And they're in the garden. I like that. That was a good spider transition. <laughs> Awesome. Well, John, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Great work. Um, can't wait to see where Growing Neighbors continues, how it continues to grow. And um, again, for those that want to get involved in this great collaborative, make sure you check out Growing Neighbors. They have a Facebook and Instagram and a website. Tell us your website one more time. Growingneighbors.org. 
Perfect. And make sure you get a hold of John. And like we said, if you got any land out there, East Siders, um, make sure and get in touch and let's grow some food for our community and um, help uplift that local access to food. Thank you so much for being here, John. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Rocks to Roots is sponsored by the Office of Farmland Preservation. Office of Farmland Preservation is a program within the Washington State Conservation Commission that works to address the rapid loss of working farm and forest lands in our state. Together, the Washington State Conservation Commission and conservation districts provide voluntary, incentive-based programs that empower private landowners to implement conservation on their property. You can learn more about their programs and services by visiting their website, scc.wa.gov.